Through innovation, academic excellence, and family-centered clinical care, Children's Mercy Kansas City is transforming outcomes for children around the world. Welcome to the audio interview series, Transformational Pediatrics, with host Dr. Michael Smith. So our topic today is Myths and Realities of Eating Disorders. My guest is Katherine Piper. She's a clinical psychologist and the director of the Eating Disorder Center at Children's Mercy Kansas City. Dr. Piper, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. You know, this is obviously a very sensitive topic, um, but a very important one. So I wanted to first maybe start with talking a little bit about some of the common misconceptions of Mm -hmm. eating disorders. What are some of those? Sure. Well, many people believe that to have an eating disorder, you would appear to be very unhealthy. But the reality is that eating disorders can affect people of all weights, and sometimes people may look healthy yet be extremely ill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's interesting, right? So when you're a general practitioner, you're in the community, maybe you're suspecting a problem, but the, the child or the teen looks good. So what are some of the things we can do to help practitioners to really identify then um, an eating disorder? Well, um, you know, practitioners can, first of all, observe, have there been any precipitous weight changes, any increases in weight or decreases in weight that have happened um, very rapidly? Um, And in children and teens, has there been a failure to gain um, either height or weight as expected? because it is not normal for a child or a teen to lose weight during a period of growth. Yeah, do you often also, um, when a a practitioner is suspecting an eating disorder, is there often a a link to family history as well? Absolutely. Um, Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Well, we know that they're both biological and environmental factors which place patients at risk. Um, Often our patients that do end up having eating disorders may have a family member who have also suffered from an eating disorder. And in addition, so the family history is going to be very important to get. The other thing is that um, eating disorders often are comorbid with other types of mental illness or um, psychological issues such as anxiety and depression. Right. So, how often does a parent or a relative bring up in, 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 a, in a visit with the pediatrician that there might be an eating disorder? Is that often how these kids are um, presented by a, by a relative who's worried? That is frequently the case, yes. Um, or it may be that the parent is not sure why the, pa- why the child may be losing weight or um, have a, weight, a change in their weight. Um, sometimes they um, first admire if a child is losing weight and feel like they want to be, quote, more healthy. But sometimes those patterns can become very rigid and extreme, and then the parent typically becomes more alarmed. Um, Oftentimes also, you know, this is picked up on a routine pediatric exam where um, a practitioner may look at the growth curve and realize that a child's growth, they are falling off their own growth curve, which is to say that their predicted, you know, um, increments in, in gain and height and weight are just not occurring as would be expected with their normal development. Right. So, you know, when we learn about eating disorders and, and even I think um – the, the lay community um, understands that there's like, for instance, anorexia, and okay. then there's bulimia, and there's even some other related ones. How often, though, do they really occur in silos like that? Or do you really see 
a mix of things in one patient, um, or is it truly, or are they really truly separated? That's an excellent question. Um, actually, we often see a mix of symptoms. So, although we sometimes do see children or, or and teens that have anorexia or bulimia, and they are only with those um, set of symptoms. Many times what a patient may present initially with anorexia and then over time they may get engage in binging and purging behavior, which is more of a bulimic pattern. So that mix of, of symptoms is quite frequently seen. Yeah. So in your opinion, in your expert opinion, what are we seeing more and more cases of eating disorders? Um, is it pretty much just um, flat in terms of new cases or what's what's happening out there? No, the the incidence of eating disorders, the prevalence is increasing. And it's important to realize that eating disorders affect people of all genders, ages, races, ethnicities, you know, body shapes and weights. So, um, you know, what has traditionally been thought of as a young female disease is actually a disease that's involving um, more and more men, more and more um, uh, children and, and teens of color. So it's not um, as narrow as people once thought. Well, do you have any opinion on why we're seeing the increase in the number of cases? Well, I think um, there are a lot of cultural factors that figure in. There's a very unrealistic, um, thin beauty ideal where, you know, all of our models and many of our actors and actresses might present as very tall and thin, which is not typically seen in the general population. So I think that's part of it. There's a very diet-focused culture, and one of the huge risk factors about developing an eating disorder is having a history of dieting and that dieting going into kind of all-or-none approach to um, trying to lose weight, very, you know, use of extreme right. in, in attempt to lose weight. So, you know, uh, out in the community, a lot of um, healthcare practitioners, your general practitioners, nurse practitioners, they, you know, they're at the front lines, right? So yeah. what advice can you give them um, for when it's, you know, when it's time to maybe send a patient mm-hmm. to a clinic like at Children's Mercy? Well, I think, you know, during their routine exams um, and in their relationship with the patient, if they see um, evidence of those weight changes and they ask, really important to ask about why those changes are occurring, um, <clears throat> that that get a description of what the intake is in a, in a particular day. And if they are having a loss of menses or there are changes in the lab values that might be suggestive of eating disorders, really important to send them over to a specialist team to evaluate the patient because it is not unusual, you know, even for very um, experienced clinicians to miss some of the medical complications or consequences of eating disorders. So, Dr. Piper, you are the director of the Eating Disorder Center at Children's Mercy Kansas City. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your clinic and maybe how it stands out uh, um, compared to some other clinics? Certainly. Well, we are the only um, uh, eating disorders program in the region that is geared toward teens and adolescents. Um, And we have practitioners that specialize in not only eating disorders but in treating children within a family-based and developmentally appropriate manner. 
So the psychologists that we employed are all clinical child psychologists. The physicians are are um, child-oriented. They are are trained in adolescent medicine. Um, Our psychiatrists are child and adolescent boarded. Um, So this is not, uh, we have all of these practitioners in one place, including nursing and social work, um, to team together and really support the family in the recovery of their child. In a typical visit, Dr. Piper, does that mean patient and the family will see in one visit all the necessary people they need to see so it kind of cuts down on the number of visits maybe? Is that kind of how it works? Well, well, they actually will see practitioners for separate visits, and sometimes they will see the team together as well. During the initial evaluation, they'll see a physician, a nutritionist, and a social worker together so that all of it's a very efficient way to gather the history and target the specific areas and information that we need to know about a patient. And then from there, a patient is kind of matched with one of two outpatient tracks that we offer. We offer a family-based therapy track, which is ideal for the younger adolescent. It's really geared to help the family um, explore um, and support the patient in their recovery. So the family is very actively involved. And our our um, providers coach the parents in how to um, support their patient in the recovery in terms of refeeding and um, consequences and, and reinforcement for progressing in treatment. Then the other outpatient track is the standard of care within eating disorders. It's a multidisciplinary team-based care where they would have separate visits with the psychologist, adolescent medicine physician, and dietitian. And those might be at different frequencies um, depending on the needs of the patient, but all of those elements come together to work on the various things that the patient needs to recover. It makes sense, right? When I when I hear of the disciplinary or multidisciplinary approach, um, in a lot of the different clinics at Children's Mercy, right? It makes it makes sense, and uh, I'm sure it's it's been successful and will continue to be very successful for you. So, Dr. Piper, I want to thank you for coming on the show today, and and to thank you for all the work that you are doing at Children's Mercy. You're listening to Transformational Pediatrics of Children's Mercy, Kansas City. For more information, you go to childrensmercy.org. That's childrensmercy.org. I'm Dr. Mike Smith. Thanks for listening.